0: As we embark on the start of not just another new year, but a new decade, I thought about what might be the biggest challenge that lay before us. In my reflections, I thought about how we faced financial shortages in 2019, but we got through them. I thought about how we were grieved with the passing of loved ones in 2019 but by faith we found God's peace. I thought about how we had members that left our church but by faith God brought us new and productive members. And so while all of these things that we were able to deal with in 2019 were challenging by faith. We got through another year, let alone another decade. And I'm not going to stand here and pretend that it was easy, but I will say we got through it by faith. So while... I'm thinking about 2019 and what we're getting ready for in 2020. I wanted to start off the year by addressing head-on what I think would be the greatest challenge that we will have to deal with in 2020. The Lord led me to Paul's letter to the Galatian church, the sixth chapter and the first through the tenth verse. And I'll read it again so that we can catch the spirit of the apostle. He wrote to the church and he said, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be Tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. For 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 watch this. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives yeah. himself. Yeah. But 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 each, but each one must examine his own work, yeah. Yeah. and then he will have reason. For boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Paul Paul then further goes on to say, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, so then, while we have opportunity, in other words, before it is too late, let us do good to all people, and, and here it is, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I wasn't sure why God led me to this text. And as I pondered it, I could see that the Lord was, was, was actually showing me the single biggest issue with the church. The single biggest issue with the church is not a lack of right doctrine. Sometimes we argue with each other over whether or not Jesus is God or Jesus is not God. Or we argue over this is the way you should handle communion or this is the way that you should pray. Or we, it, The biggest problem with the church is not tied up in doctrine. The biggest problem with the church is not even tied up into a lack of faith. And the reason for that is because the Bible tells us that if you even have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can even move mountains. So the issue with the people in the church is not so much an issue of a lack of faith or even right doctrine or even if we have all of the accoutrements of, of, of worship. The single issue, biggest issue facing the church is simply this, a lack of community. And at the core of this lack of community is selfishness. So today on this First Communion Sunday of 2020, I want to speak on the subject of true community and what that means. And I've therefore titled this message quite simply, It's Not About You. It's not about you. I haven't watched football, NFL, in a, in a while since this whole Kaepernick thing. But, but when I used to watch football, there was a coach that many of you may be familiar with by the name of Herman Edwards. Prominent African-American coach. Wonderful guy. And, and he, he used to coach the Kansas City Chiefs. And he was asked to give his thoughts on teamwork and how he understood it. And without batting an eye, Coach Herman said these words. He said, the players, listen carefully. He said, the players that play on his football team, they, they, they will play for the name on the side of their helmets, not on the back of their jerseys. Mm. See? The idea here, and, and I appreciate that, because what he's actually getting at is that it gets right to the heart of what it means to be a team player. If you're, if you're playing because your name is on your back and you want everyone to see you and the cameras to see you and that, and that it's all about you, then chances are you might do well, but your team will suffer. Well, well. A community or a team yeah. cannot win with one player or one person focused on themselves alone. Brothers and sisters, our churches are only as good as the people within the building recognize that it's not about you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, uh, I often listen to the news media, and I watch a lot of CNN and MSNBC and Fox News, yeah. And, um, and, and, and oftentimes when you listen to the news media, they, they make references to things like the black community. Or they'll say, "Well, wh- how do you see things happening in the Jewish community or, or the Islamic community?" And, and and I say to myself, "When we use these terms and these references, what exactly do we mean?" Yeah. And 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 what even forms the basis of saying things like the black community or the Jewish community? Or what forms the basis for making those kinds of statements? And so, I, I came up with my own definition of community. Here's my definition of community. It's a unified, listen carefully, it's a unified body of individuals with common interests, living in a particular area, sharing multiple resources for the survival of that body. Now, with this definition in mind, and if you accept that That's what community is like. Then by this standard, is there really any such thing as a black community or a white community or a Jewish community or an Islamic community? By my definition, is there any such thing? Because I can easily make the case that not all of these groups of individuals are necessarily unified. Mm -hmm. Not all of these group of individuals share common interests. N- not, not all of these groups live even in the same area. And, and how about they don't all share the same resources. And, and here's the big one. Maybe not all of those individuals in that body even care about the survival of the group. Are you understand what I'm saying? So, so by this standard, now don't get me wrong, there are pockets of people that express some of these characteristics. But but my point is that when you make blanket statements about any large group and label them a community, you run the risk of falling into the trap of stereotypes. The black community loves watermelon and fried chicken. I don't know that to be true. The Jewish community, they are so good with money I don't know that to be true. I sure know some poor, broke Jews. My point is, is that when we start to lump people into something that we are calling community, we're using a term that does not even begin to define what makes a community a community. So we have expectations of groups of people doing certain things in the hopes that they're going to follow the script, but we're dealing with human beings and people who have a mind and a will of their own. And if you can't understand what I'm saying, what I'm telling you is that we have to get to the place if we are going to survive in this church is recognizing the power and the dignity of individuals to be themselves whether we like or agree with them or not. Tough stuff. So how then, pastor, in 2020, do you want us to approach this thing called community? A community is really uh, like a, a familiar thread used to bring people together. There has to be something that, that galvanizes us, even with our many interests. We may think differently. We may like different things. Listen, there has to be a single thread, something that pulls us all together. And because the idea is when we, when we come together, there are so many things that are threatening even us here in this building and this room right now that if we don't focus so much on the things that we love about ourselves but on the things that tend to threaten us, then we have a chance of being in community. You see, the Bible lets us know that, 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 our, that, that our, our enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, when I'm telling you something, when you are being threatened, it doesn't matter if who's going to help you like chocolate ice cream or vanilla. All you know is that unless you stand together to face the common enemy, we don't have a chance to make it through. So we have to think differently about community, not so much in what we like about each other, but also in what we need with working together. So we have to look at Three things I call the three senses. All right? ain't going to make it too academic, but we're going somewhere. The three senses is what I think we need as a church and even a nation and a city if we're going to establish community. Number one, a sense of belonging. Yeah. The sense of belonging is a basic human need. And it's just like the need for shelter and food and clothing. It's something that you need. You may not necessarily want to acknowledge it, but brothers and sisters, believe me, you all need to feel like you belong somewhere. The sense of belonging actually helps us to connect in relationships to each other. It's the reason why sometimes you go into rooms like this and churches or organizations or even on your jobs, and you'll notice that for uh, case in point, if you go to school, college, when you went to school, if you were in a diverse group of school community, what you find is that you'll see where all the Asian kids sit. You'll see where all of the African American kids sit. You'll see, it's like we're predisposed to going, not just to cross boundaries, but to go to a place where we feel or think we might be accepted. Whether or not you are really accepted. And so the idea is this sense of belonging now finds itself now where, where, where people may join a church, they may have some friends, and they may have family, and, but, 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 but there is something that you need to make you feel like this is somewhere that you won't be judged. The sense of belonging. Many people in churches, whether we want to believe it or accept it or not, do not feel like they belong. Even in this church, you may have people who come here but don't feel like they necessarily belong. They may sit in the areas where they feel safe. And they don't want to venture necessarily out into the other areas of the church for fear that maybe if I start to open myself up in some ways and to express and expose my vulnerability, I may now find that I may be harmed. So there's an element of trust within the environment that causes us to gravitate to our areas where we feel most safe. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, because this is hard stuff, but it's true. But to build a sense of community requires that you take action and effort, practice. And one way of increasing your sense of belonging is really to look for ways that you are similar with others instead of focusing on ways that you're different. This morning we had our, our, our morning meditation and we pe- folks expressed how they were feeling certain feelings that was hurtful, whether it's depression or whatever it is. And I say, listen, the solution to that is not to sit and wallow in whatever feeling you have. It is to find somebody else that you see in the church that you know is feeling exactly the same thing and bring comfort to that person. Paul tells us in his letter, look at what Paul says. He looks, he looks in the first, he said, brethren, watch this. Even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Right? He says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is telling us that if you want to feel a sense of belonging. If you are struggling with something that you need to get through and you seem to be fighting with it and you can't get it, you've got to get away from you and then find someone else and make sure that you bear that person's burden. For while you're dealing with that person's burden, guess what? God deals with yours. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's not about you. Many of us are struggling and suffering because we're so focused, so self-absorbed on what our problems, our challenges, our issues are that we can't even see the person sitting next to us. I'm talking about building a sense of community. you got to get outside of you. Yes, I know you are hurting. Yes, I know that the pain in your body is debilitating. Yes, I know that the pressures of life is mounting on you in ways that you can't even imagine. But Jesus himself said, listen, cast your burdens onto me. He told you what to do, but our problem is we think we can solve our problems on our own. As long as you try to do it yourself, by yourself, on your own, your way, you'll never be in community and you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. Jesus gave us the church for a reason. A place where people don't come here perfect, but people come and serve a perfect God. Who knows that you are here, not by accident, but because you are really an answer to someone else's prayer. Even while you feel the way you feel. (laughs) I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying, but the quickest place that you can get to your healing, to your deliverance, is to say, listen, I am beaten. I am broken. I am not okay. But I got enough to lift my neighbor up. And if I can just do with all that I have to lift my neighbor up, then I know that where I am weak, God's strength will be made perfect. He's given us the formula. He's given us the blueprint. So Paul says, accept others. Validate people. Let people feel like, listen, I I don't really know your name. But I've been seeing you come to church Sunday after Sunday. You sit in the same place. You don't say a whole lot. But I don't know what your issues are. But at very least, I'd like to know your name. Let me not just walk past you Sunday after Sunday and just say hi, greet somebody, tell them that you love them. Okay, what is your name? Let people feel like you are at least glad they're here. Because the truth of the matter is, you'll walk in one day and someone knows your name. So the sense of belonging is the first thing that we need to build a community. Now remember, stay with me. I'm dealing with what I think the biggest challenges in the church. And it's recognizing that it's not about you. The second The second thing that we need to recognize is now we need a sense of ownership. Now, quite simply, ownership is the feeling that something is yours. (laughs) Now, I want to be very careful here because um, when you talk about the sense of ownership, I I don't want you to think I'm talking about what's called possessive ownership. Possessive ownership says this house is mine, this car is mine, this church is mine, that's mine, this. and when you get into that place where you get into this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, then that's really all about you, right? And so that's not the kind, of, the kind of ownership I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is what Paul says in the third chapter, in the third verse. Look at what Paul says in the third verse. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing... He deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another, for each will bear his own load. In other words, the sense of ownership, the sense of ownership is actually where you are clear on what you bring to the table, whether or not what you're bringing is serving your own personal needs or the needs of other people. I hate to break it to you, brothers and sisters, but um, you're not as holy as you think you are. I really hate to tell you, you're not as holy as you think you are. And because of that, you and I are really in no position to tell people how to live their lives. For too many, far too many of us in the church, we destroy the sense of community because we're too caught up in telling people how they should serve God. But this doesn't mean we should ignore sin. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't call out foolishness when we see it. But it's expressly why Jesus said, Listen, take that little beam out of your own eye before you're able to even begin to deal with the speck in someone else's. In other words, deal with your issues, but be honest that guess what? You can't see either. You're broken. We all are broken, but the sense of ownership, when you think about it in the context of community, is always about recognizing that if the ship is sinking and you know how to stop it, you stop it. You don't look around wondering, where's Yvette? Yvette, look, the ship is sinking. You stop it. The sense of ownership says what's going on and how this community and how this church is functioning means that I'm going to recognize how I'm going to use my gifts and I'm going to bring something to the table whether or not I'm going to get the proverbial pat on the back. You all have gifts and abilities, but if you sit on them waiting for everyone else to do the work, then guess what? You will never ever get that sense of ownership that says I belong and I, I am a part of the life of this church. Finally, finally, the last and third sense is a sense of sacrifice. Paul says, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Now, theologically, the true, true meaning of this text, look at what it says carefully. The one who is taught the word, meaning you, are to share all good things with the one who teaches them, which is me. So the true meaning of this text, to be quite frank, is that it's really talking, Paul was really talking about paying your pastors. Now, before you get twisted and all bent out of shape, I'm not going to tell you that you need to pay more money to the church in order to have, or to me in order to have community. That ain't what I'm talking about. But I will tell you this, that in the community, it requires that we share all good things with those who are feeding us spiritually. I'm not the only person feeding you spiritually in this church. You're feeding each other as well. When you walk into this church and you give a kind word, an encouraging word to someone else, when you bear each other's Mm -hmm. burdens, when you are working with the people within your church community and you are acknowledging and recognizing and validating what they are doing, you are sharing good things. Many of us people help us, and they they are kind to us, and not a word comes out of our mouth. Not even a thank you. you got to fight with people just to be respectful and acknowledge what you have been doing. There are people who slave and work even in this ministry. And believe me, it wouldn't take much for some of you who enjoy even what has been given to you in this house to simply say, You know, Shaneth, thank you. You know, Veronica, thank you. Y- 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 you know y- you know y- you know arlene thank you simple things simple things thank you so 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 here's how the community works when we talk about sacrifice as i get ready to close true community requires that everyone makes some kind of sacrifice for the benefit of the whole community cuz it's not about you you see <coughs> i can't sing So those that can bring that to the community for the benefit of the community. I can't play an instrument, but those that can bring that to the community for the benefit of the community. I can't ush. So those that are ushers, they bring that to the community, hear me now, for the benefit of the community. Are you seeing where I'm going? Some people are natural givers, so they give. Some people are natural comforters, so they should comfort. Some people are natural encouragers. We got a whole lot of mercy people in this church, so then they they should encourage. Some people are natural counters, so they should be in the steward room. But watch this. Some people are natural correctors, and so they should correct us. Some people are natural talkers, (laughs) so they should preach. (laughs) But even still, even still, watch this. This is my favorite. Some people have what we call a natural ministry of presence, where when they walk into a room, they don't have to say a word, but you feel safe. You feel as if their being there makes it okay for me to be here and I feel safe. They may not talk. They may not go around and hug everybody, but you can count on them to be where they are. And when you can count on them to be exactly where you expect them to be because they bring that ministry of presence... It does wonders for your soul that sometimes is far too deep, even for words. Many of us miss the opportunity to see God work in our lives and to have an encounter with God simply because we don't bring for the benefit of the community the very thing that God has brought you here for. You're not in this church by accident. Your presence, even when you don't feel like you have anything to give, probably is far more than any dollar you could put in the basket. Because I'm telling you, at the very least, you're going to sit next to somebody in this church that is going through something that probably you will probably one day end up having to face yourself. And you have the benefit and the privilege to be able to say, you know, Ken, I know you got this going on. How are you making it through? And then Ken will probably, I'm making this up, by the way. And Ken will probably have a good word to say, you know, God is my strength, my help in a very difficult time. I pray and he has surrounded me and even you coming to ask me how I'm doing is a blessing to my life even right now. All it takes is for you to step out of you and see others open your eyes and and not be struggling with with just what you don't have or what you need. And listen, I'm preaching to me as well. Because I can get so caught up in the busyness of church that I miss you. The gift that God has handpicked to be here. I look at Sister Jackie who's here and she's getting ready for, for what she's getting ready for, but she needed to feel a sense of belonging. She needed to feel a sense of ownership within this community she needed she needed us to make the sacrifice and 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 she made the sacrifice even to come because there is something tangible about when the saints of god get out of themselves for the benefit of someone else that's community and this is what i'm talking about the, 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 the sense of belonging it strengthens you the sense of ownership It empowers you, but the sense of sacrifice, it increases your capacity to feel more of the love of God. When you've got your hands this closed and this tight, God can't put nothing in it. But if you open it and release it, whatever is there, he'll put even more for you to release even more. So, so, So church, it's not about you. It's not about me. So, Pastor, what is it about? <laughs> Glad you asked. <laughs> verse 9. Look at what Paul says. Let's look at verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's us in the church. Love everybody out in the world, but especially those inside the church. Because when you are down, we will be here to pick you up. And when you and when others get down, you will be there to pick them up. we got to take care of each other. It's not just, I don't have to go to church because I don't feel like it today. That's about you. But how about you press your way through, no matter what, because you're not going there for you. Even in your brokenness, you're going there for someone else, and God honors that. So the last thing is I want us to, as we prepare to leave and prepare to have communion, is I want you to think of our church as a garden soil. And, and, And this garden soil, God has given to us as a gift. And he gave us this gift, and he instituted it at the cross. When he died on Calvary's cross, and blood and water poured outside, and he gave birth to the church, he really gave birth to this garden soil. And every person in, in here right now, you're not here by accident, every single person in here was handpicked by God, Amen. right? To do what? To be planted right now in this garden soil. And, and, and you see, you are an ingredient, a special ingredient. And so the idea here is that if you're not here, then our church organism can't really grow as well as it should. It will grow, but not as well as it should, because I'm missing a very important part of me. And one of the most important parts of me is you. And I don't want to miss you, because I don't want you to miss me. That's the church. That's the garden soil. That's why Jesus designed it that way. And then when we all come together, he then waters it with his blood. And he says, watch this, I've got you covered. Now Satan wants to mess with this garden soil, but he can't. Jesus came that we may have life in community. Everything God does, he does in community. Every blessing you want from God is gonna come through community. Listen, when God was blessing Israel, he wasn't blessing just David. He was blessing the community. So if there's something you're looking forward to in 2020, if you want God to move and do something different in your life in 2020, believe me when I tell you it's going to come through community. Jesus fertilized us in our community. And he fertilizes us with the sense of belonging when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the sense of belonging. He, he fertilized us with this sense of ownership when he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And finally, he fertilized us with a sense of sacrifice when he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So my brothers and my sisters, it's not about you. It's always been about him. It's always been about Jesus, and because of him, you and I can live in community. We belong, where we share him and all things in common, where we participate in the fellowship of his suffering. And if that is something that is desirable to you today, then we thank Doraine and the stewardesses, for we have a table that has been prepared for you. And this table is a table of his sweet, holy, common union. Communion in our community. May the Lord richly, richly bless you today, my beloved. Amen?